Welcome everyone to the Mordechai Weinberger program. It's Let's Grow Together on jrootradio.com. You can listen to us live at jrootradio.com and at 712-432-4217. That's what you can hear us on their numbers. If you'd like to ask a question, call into your, to the studio to ask your question live at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And if you want to text your question, it's 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. Again, the studio number to call in to take your question is 718-683-5858. And as you all know, we are still continuing. The program is going on. So to take your question or comment, anything in the mental health field, your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question or comment. Um, Goldie, we have Goldie on line one. Yes, hello. Um, first of all, I would like to thank you very much for all you do. I really listen to your phone line a lot, and um, I find it's really, really helpful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, can I ask you what yes, you're calling um, from? Yes, I would like the, to ask. Um, I'm a teacher in a school, and uh, we just now, for the new term, we had to move to a different place, just my class to a new building, because our building has become full. And I've got a few problems with, with that, with the change. Uh, first of all, it's um, that it is very, very far. It's much further than it was before. This building is going a very long way. Um, and if I, I find it, I have to go out much early in the morning, and it just gets me more um, nervous. And every little thing just um, gets me agitated. Uh, and then I find also I've got there's a there's a new secretary that's working over there, and it's just very different characters, and it's just really um, bothering me. Um, I find that she she's very uh, much a orderly person and everything has to just um, be on its place and everything she takes very literal and I'm more an emotional type and I like more interaction and discussion and she takes everything I say very very literally and um, she and I find it very difficult I also my the place where I'm working now is much smaller classrooms I feel very closed in and I can't I can't um, I don't feel like I can I really feel the pressure from her and it just uh, really bothers me Okay, so let's go take your question. Let's understand your question. Your question is, um, just before we go, I was, wanted to ask you, based on the British accent, where are you calling from? Yes, I'm calling from London. Wow, so it's always impressive to me when we've got people all over the world calling in. So thank you for reaching in and all that. Um, okay, you. so let's go start with your question. I hear your question divided into two parts, and then I'll tell you the underlying question that I hear. So... The, mm -hmm. the part one that you're saying is your school has changed where it was, the location, and being that it has changed the location, it makes it much harder for you. means mm -hmm. traveling time, and that's correct? That's hard for you. Yes, yes. And the second part that you mention is that the, in the school building where you are working, there is an issue that there's a secretary that is very literal, you're very emotional, and the two of you are going head-to-head -head a little. Yes, that's right. Okay. So the questions that I'm hearing is step one, it's a new change, and number two, there's someone there that you're not getting along with. Mm -hmm. I would like to take to, to the question more that I hear, and that is that when things aren't going the way you expect, then you mm -hmm. start getting a little bit lost. 
So when mm-hmm. you're in a place consistently, you feel comfortable, you feel safe, you know the environment. But if there's anything different, like it's now further, it's harder than I would have expected. Or the second point, that the secretary is different, she's very literal, and you like a different style, then it affects you. Which means, again, it's a safety issue. I am not feeling safe, I'm not feeling comfortable to be, for, to be me in such an environment when things aren't exactly the way I need it. Now, here's where I'm going to ask you, because I might not have gotten that right. In your life, do you find that things need to go a certain way, then you feel safe? Or do you find that you're very easy to go with the flow? Um, not use, I can go with the flow. I need some things to keep me stable, but I'm not a sens- very sensitive person that just everything gets me down. Usually I can, if it's something that I don't understand with a person, I can, I can discuss it with them. But when someone's so different to me, I find it very hard. Okay, so again, that's just what I'm trying to get, because when you're saying they are, so maybe you can help me out. I'm hearing a pattern in school, and I was trying to discover if it's also in other areas of your life. So what you're mm-hmm. saying is it's just in school that you, that changes are so difficult for you? I think it's when, it's, when, when I'm on the new, in a new place or something that I'm not feeling comfortable with. When it's people that I feel comfortable with, I can, if I don't understand, if I, don't, I feel like they don't understand me, I'm, I can very well, I can tell them exactly what I feel like. I don't have a problem with that. It's just, it's when it's a new place and new people, I find it more difficult. Okay, so now you've just hit the main point, and that's fantastic, and that is called beginnings. What does that mean? That means anytime anyone does anything different than they've done in the past, your mind will be insecure, will be unsure. That's just how the brain works. It's a fact. It's a reality. So what we want to take care of is what we want you to come to recognize or to be really strong about is that during beginning stages, during beginning processes, we're all under unknown. So just to give you an example, many times speakers, some of the basic rules in public speaking is before you go somewhere, check out the place in advance. The first time before I went on the radio, I was someone that was very nice and they let me come watch two, three programs that they did before I went on just to get the feeling what it was like. Um, So first understand this is normal. Now, since, as you said, you're an emotional person, emotional people like feeling secure and also take time for the emotions to calm down. So you have a very high radar right now. Is everything going well, sensitive? You might want to have a friend or two and in this new location, you might just have the secretary to speak to who's very opposite. And now since you're sensitive, you're feeling out of place. What we would like mm-hmm. you to be able to do is a lot of what are some self-soothing tools or some some points that you can do to feel relaxed during the process. So many times people would like to have, let's say, a certain favorite uh, clothing or someone would know they can speak to one friend to go along with them. These are one of the secrets that we try helping and teaching for children when they're going to new schools. Do you know someone there? Could someone just walk you into the building? Can someone just show you around? If you can, what, let me ask you, what do you feel can give you that confidence or that peacefulness? Um... I think if I'll be able to go, I find I'm very closed in into the classroom. And if I would have more interaction with people, I would feel more okay with myself. I won't be so, um, I won't, it won't bother me so much if she takes everything I say literally and if, if she doesn't understand me. Because I'll have a few people that I'll, I'll be able to go out. The thing is that she is keeping me to my place. So she's telling me, let's say, 
let's say I usually I would have gone out of my classroom just to um, to bring something, or I would, I'm more easygoing. I don't I don't feel like I have to just stay in one place all the time. And she always tells me like you have to go back to the classroom. You have to now it's time to go into the classroom. She's like so telling me what to do. So this bossing you around. So part of the issue that's happening that you're finding that's happening is you're being bossed and controlled by yes. someone. Is it this secretary's job to be on top of you, to be your boss? The thing is that they don't have a, secret, uh, a headmistress uh, principal yes. there now because it's a new place with right. only, only a few classes. So she, I guess she's taking the responsibility. And the thing is, she's, she's my age. It's not like she's someone older than me. So I just feel like it's pressurizing me. Good. And I can be a person myself. Now, I can welcome, know that now it's the time to go to the class. I'll go myself. She's telling the, me it disturbs me. Welcome to the world of... Welcome to the world of being interacting with people. And that is that people sometimes sort of interact. They give themselves a role, a job that might not be their job. And then many people get affected by that. So this is one example that you're describing where she's a secretary. Did the headmistress, let's say, put her to be, uh, you know, in charge of everyone when they're coming or going? Or she just might be that take charge nature. And now you're feeling stuck with that. One of the big things mm -hmm. that we then work on is where you can discuss it with her and tell her, look, this has to change. You know, or what's your job? What's my job? I am a type of person. I don't like when people tell me what to do. I do what I have to get done. If there's anything going on, then you can speak to someone else, speak to the headmistress, but uh, please don't get involved. So the mm -hmm. issue that you're finding more is your interaction with other people and with the secretary. So it looks like because of one stress with the secretary, and that's where I'd like emotional people to recognize, that if we have one stress, that one stress could make everything look so black, so negative. And when we have one positive, then our entire day changes. And that's, a lar that's one of the secrets that us therapists try to use. That's when a person comes in with 100 problems, our focus is not to fix, fix 100 problems. Our focus is to help change the focus. And when the focus is to positives, and all of a sudden you can manage the 100 problems, and that is one of the points. So it looks like because of being trapped in one place, it's affecting you in others. Yes, that makes sense. Good. I think I'll, if she wouldn't be pressurizing yeah. me, then everything would be much That's better. That's right. So let's. So we just recognize what the issue is, and the issue is for you to stay focused, strong, and confident. I would like to thank you for calling in all the way from England. I appreciate it. And again, we'd like to thank everyone on jrootradio.com. You can listen to us live over there or on 712-432-4217. I appreciate you calling in. Thank you. We are going to go to Shandel on line one. Shandel, you're on the air with Mordechai. The number to call into the studio, to be honest, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And this program is live, going on right now, Baruch Hashem. Shandel? Hi, my name is Shandel. Oh, Shandel, yes. Yes, okay. I happen to be a client of yours. Well, and... now we get very complicated. The question okay. is, like, <laughs> if you want it to be... Okay, so this is the thing here, that... Um, I know a lot of people that are supposed to be on medication, and one of the reasons um, they're just they're just refusing to go on it is because they they are in denial, and I'm not even going to go into that. Yes. But then there is another reason is because they are so much afraid of changes that they will experience in their bodies, and I am also one of them, and I want them to know that. I really know what this is all about, but they could really get through this. If they will learn not to fight these um, things that they're feeling, 
it's like when a person goes into a swimming pool and when you're fighting these waves, the waves will, the water will drag you in. You just have to go along with the water and try not to fight the, the water. That's the same way with um, controlling the emotions and the feelings that you are going to experience when um, you're going to take the medication. Because it's not really in your head. It's really, they are really physical symptoms. That what, if a person is very, very sensitive and they're very much afraid of what they're going to experience, they have to learn to accept it and not fight it. And with that knowledge, they will, with that awareness, they will um, be able to overcome it. And I have overcome that myself. And it's not the end of the world if you take that medication that you are so much resisting to because you're so much afraid that you're going to be blacking out, blacking out, and you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're going to feel like you're going into a frenzy. So I just want people to know that, that it's not the end of the world, and you could get through this. Um, I really want to thank you for that because for two reasons. Number one, I would like to expand a little on your analogy, and that is fantastic. And now I'd like to share with you and with many of our listeners with the phone line. I have this phone line where I answer with little initials my father, and that's a large part of this program over here. As we know, I do not advertise my office number. I've probably done it in the year that we're on probably less than twice, and that was a mistake then. And the, one of the main reasons I'm doing this for is awareness, and it's little initials my father to create, you know, to create that. So my phone line, we've got Shiram over there, and I answer daily questions and answers. And I get a lot of messages and comments from people. Someone just sent me a message right after Pesach now. And the message was sort of, thank you for creating awareness because this person has been needing medication over 10 years, refusing to do it, and their family was in shambles. And now the person is taking it. And the only reason why they took it is because of all the awareness and all the mentioning about how you can take it. You are yourself. And this person says it's, it was actually a he. He said he's exactly himself just without all the stresses that held him back and that was causing all those problems. So for those of you listening, I'm not an advocate to take medication for everything. I get that all the time. Oh, you're saying take medication, take medication. Absolutely not. What I'm saying is when it's necessary, definitely take it. The Rabbi Shalom has given us something. It helps. If we could go to the amount of families that were broken because the family member did not take medication versus, and there are always side effects, I'll say that there are negative stuff to it. But then again, if you go to a competent doctor or to a competent therapist that's aware of them, we'll make sure that you change medication or you do what has to get done. And there should be the least effects. And those are for some very serious stuff. But some of the basic stresses, anxieties, you should not even be seeing any of the side effects at all. I also want to add something, that yes. the fact that a person is so much afraid to take the medication is also a part of anxiety. This alone is the biggest, um, you yes. know, yes. You know yes. A, a awareness that you are supposed to take the medication because this in itself is an anxiety. Yes. So the, really, the, the way to control and to work on uh, fighting, actually not fighting anxiety, to get through it is to allow yourself to feel whatever you're going through. I would Don't fight the feeling. Yes. Go along with it. Accept exactly. It. That is truly amazing. I'd like to take the muscle that you said about swimming and take it to a more global area. Mm -hmm. And I thought it's amazing. Um, there was a case, which I haven't taken, but sort of the way the case was going on, there was a kid completely off the derech. And the mother is still waking him up daily. Please just say Krishna. Please just say Krishna. And what was going on was there is this issue with the mother saying at least one mitzvah is completely over there. Let him do one mitzvah. 
And what the Rabbanim and the therapists are trying to explain to her right now, this is stress. Right now, you're creating more anxiety and more negativity by you, by you pushing that. Let go. And this person wouldn't let go. I feel the muscle that you've done is a fantastic muscle to explain. And that's as sort of what you've said like with the, with the swimming. If someone is caught in the tide, what they tell you is don't fight it. Let the tide pull you out. Just keep on floating. And once that pull stops, that's when you got to start swimming. Imagine you're fighting the tide. You're being pulled out anyhow. You cannot fight it. And then what happens is you're exhausted. There's a time when you got to learn how to roll with the punches. You got to know how to float. You got to know how to think and not act. Sometimes acting will do more damage than actually helping. And I like that muscle that you gave now with the swimming because that's something that I was trying to explain and why I'm not taking the cases because part of the case was the kid, but part of the case was the parent that they need to change the patterns that they're doing. If we don't change patterns, if we don't change the dance or the music in the dance, we're going to keep on repeating the dance. And if there's a negative program going on. Some things need to change, not only the kid. Thank you for calling in. And uh, I just want to say one more, yes. one more thing. I just want to thank you for whatever you're doing to, to the community. It's really a great service. I appreciate that. Thank okay, you thank very, you. very much. Chazak v'yamat all right, we're going to line three. We're going to Yochevet. The number to call in to ask your question or comment anything about the mental health is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And to listen to us live, you could listen to us live on jrootradio.com or on the phone line 712-432-4217. Yes, Yochevet. Oh, we lost her? Oh, we got Yochevet. Yes, Yochevet, you're on the line with Mordechai. Yes. Thank you for taking my call. I love your your um your show. I have a loving little son who records that he stole money from my husband. Wait, I'm and sorry, I'm not getting you clear. You're breaking up. You're calling from a cell phone, just repeat it again. Yeah. Yeah, eleven year old son. Son who took money from my husband and he we told him yeah, we no, that you took. He took. My husband had an envelope of two dollar bills, and it was missing. And we had gone on a Cholamai trip, and my one of my other kids said that he was um, doing arcade games with two dollar bills, getting change of two dollar bills. And we asked him, which I were not going to punish you. We just want to know why you did it. And he keeps he denies it completely. He got change in the. The change machine gave him two dollar bills, and I don't know what to do. Okay, let me ask you something else. Does your son generally, uh, let's uh, for right now, I'm going to use the word borrow, and I'll clarify why. Does he generally take things without permission, or this is the first time you're you're noticing that? Um, when he was like two, three years, like three years ago, he had an issue in. Um, that he was taking, and we sent him to over a year to therapy, and he didn't know how to express his feelings, and and we thought it was put to rest. I don't know if he's been taking through this time because he buys things in school, he sells things. The kids, the boys, and the kids are very busy with us, and I said, and he denies it. It's very hard to know what you know if the kids are kids. But this is like pretty obvious. Okay. So one of the things for us to realize what you're saying is there's a trust issue now. You don't know if you can trust him or not. 
But I don't want him to grow up to be um, someone that steals. Someone that's like adults that steal. Yes, there are. Yes, there are, unfortunately. And then sometimes we hear big schemes that happen, and it all starts from little stuff. So I'll, I'll give you one or two recommendations, and we'll see what to do. Or I would really recommend also partially the therapist. But let me clarify. When a kid steals, not really takes things, I want to understand that at ages, it's all age-appropriate, certain ages. So a two-, three-, four-year-old, mine, I want it. They grab something out of your hand, it's mine. The brain is not able to differentiate between yours and mine. It's I want, instinct is I need it, and we take it. When we get older, we get more of an awareness. Rabbi Shalom gave us that koyach. And our mind can now differentiate between what's mine, what's yours, what's right, what's wrong. As we get older, what's supposed to happen is our brain is supposed to also be able to hold ourselves back. So we have an impulse control. I want to take something, but I'm not because it's not mine. I want to be up till 4 in the morning, but I got to get up for shachos at 7 o'clock. And that's where we learn to, the brain begins to learn responsibility. What happens sometimes with children at this age, or let's say from the ages of 8 and up, where they would, let's say, take things, and they need to be taught what you did is wrong. There are consequences to it. There are punishments to it. And we want to be able to usually catch them in the act and now make them responsible, make a conversation from them, saying, we're not here to punish. What we're here to say is, we lost our trust in you. How can we trust you? If we cannot trust you, we cannot do certain steps with you. Now, I'm just giving you the basic olive base and ideas. But, but he denies it. When I try I, that, we'll, get denies it it we'll get there in a minute. 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 I just need you to understand. I'm giving you the theories. Yeah. It's not practicality. In therapy, this is about four to six sessions. If, if everything is okay, how I see it, and I usually do a family session with this, means I have the parents and I have the kid, where the parents will tell the kid directly in front of me, and I'm there more as a referee to make sure the conversation flows. But what happens is you would have, let's say you tell the kid, we know you had $2 bills on Chalamoid, which is a very odd number to have. People do not have $2 bills randomly. We know a stack of $2 bills were stolen, and we also know in the past you had an issue of taking things. So therefore, we do not have trust in you. Can you explain to me how you got a $2 bill? And we will verify, if you said a friend gave it to you, we will call up that friend. This way you can establish, maybe he is innocent. Maybe a friend did give him a $2 bill. And then the issue might have been someone else that might have taken it. There might be someone else in the family that has taken it. But it needs to be done directly and open. If he cannot prove where he got a $2 bill, what you would ask him is, we now have an issue of trust. How can you build our trust? How can we start trusting you again? And this has to be open. I find many times when parents say, I don't want to tell it to my kid because it's going to break him. Well, you know what? You might not break him verbally, but emotionally, if you're not trusting him, and since your history tells you he might have taken it, you definitely, it definitely will, you'll treat him that way. You won't keep money around. You're going to be watching him. You're going to be counting, checking his money. Oh, where did you get that from? And you think you just asked it regular, but he's saying, hey, she didn't ask the other siblings. So by you feeling unsure and insecure about him, you will subconsciously give him that message, we don't trust you. And sometimes if you might want, try to test it out. Leave a stack of money, put a camera or watch it, make sure he's the only guy there, now you can prove it. Sometimes it has to be done in order to know what we're dealing with. But you've got to put this at ease. You cannot leave it without dealing with it. Okay, so... I I went over to him and I said, I know you took it. And he denied it. He said, he got it from the changing machine. I said, do you want to call 
we called each other the place we, that we went to, and I said, I said, could you get two dollar bills from the change machine? And they said no. Okay. They do not accept, and they in the change machine, and they do not give change with two dollar bills. Okay. And he still claims that that's not his fault. Okay. Now what do I? So here is again where you need a therapist or. I, I don't like saying run to therapist, you know me, if you listen, I don't like doing that. Yeah. What needs to happen is now more direct, but here is where there's an issue of why he's hiding. Why is he lying? Why is he holding back? Now, we know everyone, when you catch them, they would say, I'm sorry, or they said, yeah, I lied. But then once they're caught, they would do it. My concern is there's something a lot stronger going on. And I, I'm going to ask questions. I don't want you to answer them. Are Is your spouse, because... Again, you can judge from the phone, but it doesn't sound like you're that tough. Is your spouse a very tough person? Is your spouse someone that has anger issues where they can yell or scream? Last time when your son was taking stuff, was stealing, let's say, was he, was, how did your spouse deal with it? Is he being run? Is he being rubbed in this concept? Because if someone feels safe and no, found... No, we sent him to therapy. What? We he, we sent him to therapy. I understand you sent him to therapy, but wh- how is your responses when something goes wrong in the family? If kids feel scared to say, I did something wrong, they will not be honest. I deal with kids all the time. I deal with kids many times when they take things. This is a common issue. And the times when I find that kids lie the most is when they're most afraid of something in the household where if they tell the truth, they'll be very pained. And that's a vicious cycle that keeps on getting worse because afraid of the parents. So they're hiding more because they're hiding more. They're doing more stuff that the parents are finding out, which the parents now trust them less. And instead of being open to be able to say, this is what I'd like. How can we work it out as a family unit? Or I need more money. And how can we work that out? Or why do you need so much money? Are you And work on the inner issues. There's just a subconscious tug of war going on. Parents checking the kids, kids becoming a better hider. And, and this is what's going on. This is where I feel that I can't deal with it on the phone because I need to find out some of the dynamics. And I would need to speak to your son to find out why is he usually when kids are cornered with a story where you call up the machine. They said, sorry, they were, we don't dispense $2. The kids will say, OK, fine. If the kid is still afraid to come true, come forward, while you're saying it's okay, that's why I'm asking. I'm wondering if there are other members in the household which he's afraid to come forward and say, yes, I did something because of the repercussions that might happen. I, I hear that. But when I went over to him, when no one was around, he wouldn't. He the wouldn't the question is, is he still afraid of your husband? Is your husband that type of guy that he might be afraid of? If there's anger or tension in the house, kids are afraid of that and of creating more tension. I'm just explaining to you to realize that. It's not what you do 101. Sometimes I have mothers say, I won't tell Tati, I promise. But the kid says, yeah, five times you didn't, but three times you did. I don't know what this one will be. It just reinforces the pain of what's going on, and it makes it, it creates a cycle. That's what I'm saying. This case, any more information I'm not able to really give right now for this. So I apologize for that, but I would recommend just in this case to go back to the therapist and find out what's going on inside. Why is this kid? And also, if I was that therapist, I would still put a couple... What type of therapist should I take him back A family systems therapist. Someone that will work. I feel that from what I'm hearing a little, that there might be a system, a communi- not communication, an understanding issue where your son is not feeling safe to be able to say, I made a mistake. And it's extremely Im- important in a family to do that because kids 
will make mistakes, teenagers will make mistakes, adults will make mistakes, and knowing that you have a parent in your side that you can speak to that will teach you how to say, I am sorry, because it's one of the most important lessons to master, saying, I am sorry, I was wrong, that in itself is a lesson that needs to be mastered, and we want to be able to teach that to the kid. Sometimes in a family therapy session, I would ask the parent, can you please tell of a mistake that you've made and how you discussed it, how you worked it out, how they reacted. Sometimes you had to pay the price. Sometimes the person said, it's okay. These things happen. Mistakes happen. We want to teach your son that mistakes are okay. Now, we've just gotten another message over here, text, where it says, I have the same problem with my 10-year-old. What if he calls you all sorts of names and you know that the kid did steal the money? Here's again where I find where we need just someone to help it out a little. Someone to give some tools. And that's why I say a therapist, not as a therapist, you need to go for a year. As a therapist, that's four to six sessions that you can teach a kid how to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. A kid that keeps on yelling, that can't admit wrong, means there are some yesitas that are missing in that household. Some fundamental concepts that it should be safe to say I'm wrong. And that's depending many times on some of the parents that might need some help. Does a parent say I'm wrong? Does a parent give in too much? Is the other one too tough? There's a lot going on over here. I just want to spend one more minute on one more point of this concept. And that is about... Kid stealing, I like using the word borrowing or taking without permission. I don't want to call it stealing. Stealing to me is when you label someone that they are a robber. They steal. Part of human growth is someone will take something without permission. And it's the lesson to learn that we don't do it. Part of the reason why we don't touch fire is because we've touched it once and we've gotten burnt or close to it or felt the heat. We learn through experiences. Kids are meant to experience. Kids always take things without permission. As they get older, we call it stealing. But when they're young, we tell them, no, you do the dada, you put them in the corner, whatever it should be. But when they get older, we call it stealing. Kids need to learn when they're more aware that you do not take things of others. You do not take money without permission. It's still not stealing yet. It's still the educational level. I don't have an issue calling something stealing, but stealing, I feel, is more pathological when it's now a problem. When someone takes something once, they're desperate. They didn't feel they can do it. This is part of our chinuch education that we need to teach them. You might need to be assertive. You might need to be tough. You might need lots of stuff, whatever that should be, but we still need to realize, do not call, or I don't call a kid a robber or steal. I try focusing on the different change of word. We are, thank you for the question, we are going to take Baruch. The number to call and Hi, to ask... How are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Baruch, just hold on. The number to call and to ask your question or comment is 7683-5858, 718-683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. Baruch, you're on, and let's go ahead and hear from you. Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, my thing is like this. Um, I... I had um, uh, anxiety problems, and I went to therapy, and I dealt with it, and I'm doing fine. Uh, my question is, I, I'm being a, a counselor this summer, and and there's obviously a lot, you know, going on. I think I'm going to be with a crowd, I'm going to be pumping up, and I'm going to have a lot of, you know, a lot to do. So my question is, um, I'm nervous about it. I'm not crazy nervous about it, but I'm nervous about it. So the question is, what do I do about it? If I can handle day-to-day life as of now. I just can't handle these crazy things. But I really want to do it, obviously. And do I go to more therapy or what do I do? 
Let's let me first understand more when you say um, what you're having. When you say anxiety, or let's say you're going to be a counselor now, what is the is this the first summer you're going to be a counselor? The first summer I'm going to be, um, uh, yeah, very involved. Yeah, basically. The other years, let's say, were you involved? I was involved, but I wasn't a counselor, so I didn't have to be there 24-7. Right. Let's make the assumption. Let's just give an example. Let's say you used to be a counselor, and now you're going to become a head counselor or a division head. Let's assume what, what has changed is the level of responsibility, correct? I don't know about the level of responsibility. I think it's more, you know, um, till now I wasn't a counselor. I was just there whenever I wanted to be there. Now I have to be there. I, I don't know if it's really responsibility. It's more like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in with a crowd um, with making noise with a thousand kids, you know, and I'm, I'm going to have to be there. I don't know if it's really responsibility or it's just, you know, the... the so needing the to be in one place, the pressure, is what you're feeling? I guess so. Okay. And just, you know, the, the I might be, like, way too, too knocked out to, to, you know, deal with kids for eight, 16 hours a day or whatever it is. Have you ever been a counselor in that position where there was responsibility, where you had to be there? Like, let's say you might have been a JC, but you can come and go more. You're more flexible, or if you're a rotator. I, I wasn't a, I was a rotator. I wasn't a JC. Rotator, is, is, it's totally, it's, yeah, it's not the thing. That's right. And also, it's high, it's high expectations to me because the guys know me, and they know I'm a big pumper and a big and an actor and this and that. So Yeah. So let's first take your question without having anxiety, and then we're going to deal with it. Your question is, again, sort of like the first question that we had, and that was from England, where going a new job, going a new, doing something new, or someone there that might problem. So this first caller, we had a secretary that's very tough I on her. I don't feel it's that. That's the thing. Because everyone knows me. I'm not worried about the new part, because even the kids know me because I was there. So I'm not really worried about that aspect. Right. But what you're referring to is the aspect of being trapped there or being locked there. Correct? Right, right. Now, that is also a new concept and tried it. When you'll try it, you might find that it's not a problem at all. Part of what happens with anxiety are people that are emotional because at a certain point, I'd like you to stop thinking of yourself as a person that has anxiety. That's part of the reason why I am not that for diagnosing. When I diagnose someone, it's either for insurance purposes they could get reimbursed or just if I need to speak to another professional to give it a word. Because what I find is then people get stuck with a label, oh, I have anxiety, and every little thing that happens, is my anxiety coming back? Is it not? There are normal, anx there are normal anxieties in life. There are normal part. We'll, we'll, you'll, we'll get to you in a second, but there are normal stages and stress in life that we're supposed to go through. You're going to get a new job. You're going to get married, Merit Hashem. Those are highly stressful, not stressful, but anxious moments, doubts, questions, thoughts that go on. You're going to, you're having a problem with a kid. How do you deal with it? There might be a medical issue. These things happen in life. These are realities. There's a car accident. You get pulled over by a cop. It's normal the first couple of times for your hearts to start beating and then t for it to stabilize. But when someone is diagnosed, I have anxiety, everything they put through the filter of anxiety instead of saying, this is normal. I'm a regular, normal person. Everyone goes through this. If you would know how many times in my private practice I'm working with people, I tell the person, you're normal. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. It's amazing how many times I say that. Or this issue is a normal issue. We can now give you the tools how to deal with it, but you're not crazy. You don't have an issue. So now let's go back to you. You might have anxiety. You might have suffered from anxiety. But your concern of maybe being trapped just might take a couple of years or different experiences and saying it's not a problem. Is that 
is it possible that your issue is not an anxiety issue? It's just a responsibility issue. I, I feel it's still anxiety because I still wouldn't do certain things that normal people would do. Lemushal, I went down to Ramadan Chavez because it's like long and whatever. And, have, and I'm going to have to be there and think. So that's like, that's still abnormal. Now, Wait, I wasn't I able to hear you. I, I didn't understand tool. it clear enough. Can you say that again? Let's say you still have anxiety that you did go over to the Ahmed or you did not? I did not. I mean, I, 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 I'm working on a fully, obviously. I, I didn't do a lot of things a long time ago. And I got the tool and I'm working on it. But so, so I'm, I mean, I'm still not a billion percent there yet. Can I ask you so, what tools you're using? What tools um, did you learn from the therapist? Relaxation exercise, how to talk to your mind, how to, how to tell yourself that it's not a big deal. Okay. Um, very good. Those um, are very good CBT methods. Can uh, I do a little, uh, about three minutes with you on the air, a little bit of a different method? Please. Good. I uh, forgot your permission. Tune into the anxiety. What's the anxiety saying? Don't give me the logical thoughts. What's the feeling? What's the anxiety saying? The anxiety is saying, what if you, what if you, you, you just can't, uh, Let's say down the Yeah. Um, I don't, um, I'm going to be stuck there and I can't leave. And what if I feel like, uh, you know... So, so the feeling is trapped. Your feeling is yes. trapped. Yes. yes. Good. Makes sense. Ask the trapped. What does it bother you if you're trapped? That if, if I... That, you know, when I get anxiety, I get... Um, I feel sick and everything, and I'm going to Okay, be so when you feel trapped, you start getting these symptoms that are uncomfortable to you. Right, yes. Now, let me ask you, what would be a magical, let's use it an emotional solution, not a logical solution, what would be an emotional solution that your emotions will feel completely safe with the words trapped, that you won't even feel trapped? It can, just um, as an example, it could be that at any time you can just walk away from the Ahmed. Even the middle of Shemayin Esra doesn't have to be real. We're now talking to the emotions. Yeah, that would absolutely be. Yeah. So I'd like you right now just that, to that, imagine. So I'd like you to just imagine, and I want you to feel it. So just take a moment. What I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to take the next caller. I want you to spend about the next four to five minutes, and then we'll get back to you, to imagine diving for the Amid or whatever creative emotional solution you have that you won't feel trapped. So you could stop in the middle. You can... Like magically change your face that you're a different person. You can change your voice. Imagine you're in camp and you want to give it that you can leave anytime you want. I want you to just imagine feeling it. And I want you to feel the calmness in your body. If your body isn't calm, then it was a logical solution. I don't want you to do the CBT method. I want you to try now a different method. Not that CBT illogic. doesn't... What? Even though it's illogic. Yes. I want you to... The more illogical it is, the better it is. Okay. All right. So All right, just hold on. So we'll get back to you. We're going to go to Sharon online too, and we'll get back to to him. All right, Sharon, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Mordechai. How are you? I love your show. And my um, my husband, uh, after his bar mitzvah, he um, say that again school. about your husband. Your husband um, has uh, after his bar mitzvah. Yeah. He uh, did a science fair project for school, and there was a, a chemical uh, kit. He mixed the chemicals, and there was an explosion, and yes. he lost part of his uh, his left hand. He lost the thumb and the palm of his left hand, oh, wow. and they had to find a orthopedic surgeon to do microsurgery in about 1959. 
Wow. And it was a hardship for his mom, and all the family members had to get together to, you know, to uh, donate money for this and to find the sturgeon. And so they, um, the surgery went through, the initial surgery, but for four years, twice a year, uh, he had to have more surgery. And um, and also, uh, you know, through, the doctor had to give him morphine for the pain while this process was going on in, in the hospital. And as a result of this uh, trauma to his to his hand, he um, transferred the trauma into violence. Yes. And he has, to this day, anger management problems that when he has stress in his life, he, he doesn't deal with it well. And also, to this day, when he sleeps, he has, like, not a, like a, a small seizure in his legs that his body gives a shuckle at night, a few times a night. Yes. Um, and somebody, well, a doctor said that from giving him the morphine that he had eight, nine surgeries, the initial one plus um, four, uh, twice a year times four years is eight plus one third is nine times. So that causes to this day trauma. And to this day, he has trauma to the left hand where it doesn't keep the proper temperature. It's either very warm or, like, hot, or it gets cold. Um, so it's ongoing trauma. And as a result, I, uh, you know, first his mom had to deal with it, so there was fighting among his, his one brother. So his mother would break up the fight. But it looks normal because of sibling rivalry. Usually your children, you know, normally fight. But now I, I his mom... Uh, of blessed memory is, you know, his mom passed away. And now I'm transferred as the mom, and I have to deal with it. And I, I deal with it. I have a key, and there's a middle door, but I don't let him in when I find he's, uh, that I see he's uh, not dealing with it well, with anger management problems. Yes. I would like to know if there are classes or something for adults to teach them how do you deal with anger management. So what would you like? Would you like the easy advice or the hard advice? I'd like the hard advice. Okay. So let's give you first the easy advice, and then we'll go to the hard advice. The easy <laughs> advice is that, yes, there are classes, and you can look them all up for just anger management. Now, let's go to the hard advice. The hard advice is, and I'm going to go as gentle as I can, but there is a diagnosis, and I don't want to call it a diagnosis, but it's a concept in therapy called codependence. Codependents are the spouses of addicts, are the spouses of those that have a difficult anger management time, are the spouses of that are allowing the victimization to continue. And what we find is that those people, which would put you in that category, need to as well get training. And usually, in order for the anger management person to change, what happens is the person that is codependent is usually the first one that does change. That's the first one that goes for therapy. 
So let me just give you an understanding. In the 12-step methods, there's AA for alcoholics, there are GA for gambling. There are different ones out there, which we're not going to mention on air, but there are a lot of them. What they've discovered is that family members needed the help. And when family members change, we're not shifting responsibility. I want to hear very clearly, we're not blaming the victims, the family members. What we are saying is they are part of the dance. And mm -hmm. therefore, what they have is for AA, they have Al-Anon for family members. For GA, which is for the gambler, they have Gammonon for the family members. And those groups are unbelievable because what happens is it starts making you aware of your shortcoming, how you are continuing to participate in the dance, how your fears, you're afraid of what he will do, so how you're trying to overcompensate for all his weaknesses. And if I will tell you over and over how the minute the codependent person changes, how many times the abuser or the person that's got the issue then is forced to deal with things differently. So I can just give you one example where I've heard where a husband had similar issues to your husband, lots of anger management, lots of family issues, and for whatever reason, somehow the wife got strong enough and said, I am now leaving the house when I want to. Just because you're angry doesn't mean I can't leave the house. And the more assertive the wife got, the healthier the husband was forced to do things. So this person used to have a medical condition that needed the wife's help. And the wife said, you know something? I don't have to be the only one. He said, yes, but I can't have AIDS. I'm embarrassed. I feel uncomfortable. And the wife was able to say, but I need to still have part of my life. I'm not getting caught up into your trap. And all of a sudden, this person started to go get AIDS. This person started to go for therapy to be able to, to first the physical therapy. And as this person started to have to face with his issue with the family, the wife stopped patching up the fight between him and his kids, saying, the kids don't want to come to us, the kids don't want to talk to you. Oh, I'm invited to kids' house for Shabbos, but you're not. Now, I'm not saying all this had to be, has to be done with a rav as well, because there are a lot of halachas that get involved, but the concept I want to share with you is, and that's why it's very hard, almost all the time that I tell a person that is codependent, don't focus on your husband. Don't focus on the spouse with the problem. First, you go yourself to about three to six months of therapy or read books on codependence. I don't want to recommend which book because every time I recommend, it comes a negative flack. Is it hashkafadik? Is it not? There might be something. So I'm not recommending you based on your frumkite. Wherever you are, look at it, look it up. You'll see what you can do. But codependence is the way that once you change, you will notice how almost everything changes in your environment. So the hard step is, let's not talk about your husband. Let's talk about you. Find books on codependence, and you will start seeing shifts. You will find yourself in there. You will find all those stories of where you are. I will recommend maybe one book, which has nothing to do with your case. I shouldn't say nothing, but it's a different area, and it's by Dr. Abraham Tversky. It's about gambling addiction, but it's about the 12 steps. But there he writes stories upon stories about the family members of the addict, how they were trying to deny it, try to come up with systems, how they tried to pay it off. All the steps that you've done with his anger, how you tried covering it up, you will find that almost all codependents and all people that are stuck in that level use the same tools. So instead of gambling, you will just shift it to anger. And I, th I think the book is called dreidel beyond gambling something like that playing it's something along those lines i all the basic stores have them but okay okay so i just want you to be aware that the focus really is to get you to change because if your husband will sign up to any course any anger management course chances are you won't be able to get him to go chances are he'll say it's not me i don't have anger issues and he'll be in complete denial the way to really change is when we change the dance so thank you <laughs> 
for calling Thank you. In. I just want to add that um, we we got we're married since we were hello. Yes, yes. Uh, we've been married uh, since age twenty-one. He's like uh, one month older than me. Yes. And I um, I just want to say that uh, it, it, this happened. In front, I was raising two, two children. I have a boy and a girl. And as a, a result of uh, one family member being dysfunctional, it becomes that the entire family becomes dysfunctional. Thank you so, so much for this yeah. extra couple of minutes, uh, this, this concept. I would like everyone listening, because so many people, so many, especially in our firm world, where therapy is still taboo, and that's one of my main goals over here, like one of my missions I of the radio is just to create awareness, people to know you're not alone. I so appreciate what you're saying because parents that go through this pain, they try to hide it and they think, okay, so it's just my husband, but the rest of the family will be okay. I appreciate the awareness that you're saying, no, when someone has an issue and we try burying it, it affects the entire family. My daughter now, she's married, but she, um, in high school, she developed an eating disorder. And yes. I realized it was that she was so afraid that he was fighting, we were fighting him, you know, was in front of her. And uh, how does a child deal with it? She uh, uh, took it out on eating. Yes. And so we, and also my son uh, saw what's going on. So he uh, became a little, not as angry as when my husband gets angry, but he learned, oh, I can be angry and also get my way. But not to the extent... Where yes. my husband yes. has certain patterns where when he uses the language, then maybe his hand can go up. But I dealt with it where I had him arrested in the year 2001, and it worked where he became, he was okay, not to point fighting or anger management issues. And, had, and that lasted four years. I'll tell you what, you're breaking up, so I really thank you for everything that you've said and the awareness and your question is so important. Tiskula Mitzvahs, Chazak V'Amot, stay strong and please look up an Al-Anon group, just look it up and you will do that. We are going now back to Baruch. Baruch, you're back. Oh, I'm sorry, we're going to, to Belima. Belima, you're on the air with Mordechai. One second, um... Sorry, hello? You hear me? Uh, yes, I hear you. Okay, first of all, I would like to thank you for your wonderful program, which I find so helpful and informative. Thank you. The Abish to continue giving you Siata Dishmaya and Aslacha in all your wonderful endeavors. Amen, because that's really what we need, Siata Dishmaya. Yes. Okay, now to my question, which is regarding parents um, uh, doing the inquiries for perspective shidduchim for their children in the Hasidic circles, where the parents do their, you know, okay. most of the acquiring. Okay. Generally, I'd like to know if you could help me out with, like, what specific questions should be asked when one wants to know the deep character traits of a person. So it's off the cuff, so I'll give you a couple of ideas, and I don't think it changes if it's the Chassidish circle, right. if it's a Litvish circle, if it's the Sephardi circle, if it's a modern Orthodox circle. And the first things that you want to find out is, how is this guy's get-along or girl, how do they get along with others? 
How do they get along? Mm-hmm. What happens when they have a disagreement? Are they on time or are they late? What type of people are they? Are they calm or are they, or are they tense? Do they take responsibility? These are basic questions that you want to know about the character. Tell me a time that this person went through, let's say, something difficult or something that didn't go their way. How did he react? You're going to get these things in person. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he doesn't do too much. Is this person in yeshiva? Basic questions. Do they show up to school? Especially no today's boys. Are they on time? Are they early? Are they there the whole seder? When they take tests, what do they get? Are you looking for the hundred perfectionists? Another thing. Are they chilled? Are they relaxed or are they tough? Like, are they relaxed? Many people are suffering from anxiety, families of anxiety, and you can tell it all over. These people, do they have to be hundreds? Do they have to be perfect? Simple, basic questions. Tell me about the nature. Is this person outgoing? Are they quiet? If the person is outgoing, are they very controlling? Can they listen to another person? If they're quiet, are they afraid? Are they scared? Whatever the person says, you want to hear the balance. Wow, sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah, sounds- you... You want to hear, most importantly, about real stories. Not, oh, he's such a great guy. Everyone is a great guy. Yeah, he's in yeshiva. He's so good in yeshiva. What does that mean, good? Does good mean that boys ask him questions? Does good mean that he learns the whole time? Someone could be a masmid atzim, but have no interactions with anyone. Someone can be a great personality, but never listen to authority. And then you got, here's an authority issue. Another thing I'm just going to mention, I have a very big issue when people go, oh, this one comes from a divorce household. This one comes from this, from that. I don't have an issue where they come from. You know what my issue, real issue is? How did this person work on their issues? So details, how does this person now? Let's say they came from a divorce household. Does this person have friends? Could this guy get along? Is this person affected in any which way? And the same question will be to someone. They come from a together household. Does this person have friends? Does this person get along? Does this person get angry? Does this person, are people happy to be around him? Is he a nudge? These are the basic mm-hmm. questions that you get the person because how a person is in their interaction with their friends is usually a, mind, a mirror of how they will be. Maybe not the first six months they can act and hide it very well. The difficulties when people come from a difficult background, painful background, a family, either they're together or they're not. Tough financial situation is people get farbissen, people get cheap, people get tense, people can deal with frustration. And the way they deal with it as a kid or the way their parents dealt with it is the way you're going to see they're going to deal with it in their marriage. And then unfortunately your kid, if it's a son or daughter, will suffer unless that person goes for help. So you want to know real life stories. What is happening? How does this person do? Not where does the family come from? We do not know what's really happening in the family. You're not marrying the family. You're marrying this specific boy. You are also marrying the family, and family is important to know how they, do, how they get along. But equally, or more important, is the boy. You have amazing... Let's put it this way. Our system is fantastic, our shidduch system. It really is. means we do checking and you need to see boys and girls. There, are, there is an issue with our system. And part of the issue with the system is for someone that doesn't match that system is going to have a problem. And Baruch Hashem Klayasol is huge that there's now a huge problem because we have to figure out how to work on a system. And one point more in the Litvish world is if the picture, and in the Chassidish world as well, if the picture on the outside doesn't glance, as you would say in Yiddish, doesn't shine, oh, let's look at someone else. We're not looking at the boy and the girl on their merit. 
we're looking at the shine. So if you've got four girls to look at on a resume, you're going to take which one shines the most, which makes it harder if someone's got anxiety or stress or if someone takes medication for an emotional issue or for a physical issue, which there is no reason. I'm not going to now say the Goyesha way to do it is, but if there is a way when someone meets someone, then you hear they have an issue. It doesn't matter. I like the person. Same thing with the Shidduch. When someone goes, oh, if you like a certain family and then you find out they have an issue there, oh, it's not a problem. Why? Because you got to know them. The major problem in our system, which I let the Rabbanim and Gedolim figure out how to deal with that, and that is, how do you deal with someone if there's something on the resume that there's a fleck, that there is a little pagam, or a little something that's not shining, how can we have that these kids should have the same exact opportunity as anyone else, because they themselves are amazing. And as we hear everyone say, today, if we would have to be Meshadach with Avram, Yitzchak, or Yaakov, we would not have done it because of we see their pagams. Sarah couldn't have a kid. Is there fertility issues? Um, then they had a kid off the derech. All these issues would have been major stuff that I don't know if me and you would have been Meshadach with Avram Avinu, even with all that. And that, in our system, I let the Gedolim figure out with what to do. But that is a problem, and they're, they are working on it because they're aware of it. People are going to them for brachas. People are telling them with problems. But basically, we need to look at the boy or the girl, when we are Meshadach, make sure they have, have healthy interactions. If they're too quiet, be concerned. They're too loud, be concerned. Do they listen to authority? They don't listen to authority, be concerned. They listen too much to authority, be concerned. They have an opinion, great, how much? They don't have an opinion, worry, why not? You want balance. If someone is way too quiet, it doesn't matter if they're too quiet. Just find out they're healthy. One-on-one -on -one they can talk. Then you know your couple, the couple will be able to talk. So that was my second question, <laughs> actually. Um, okay, and right it, after that, we're going to go to Baruch yeah, because okay. he if is the, waiting. If the parents hear, hear excellent information, but they hear, the, that they hear that the boy is very quiet. In so far, as, as much as, as, as a, a friend who slept in the dorm room would say that um, um, when we had a discussion before we went to sleep at night, he would join a little, but he's, really, he's very quiet. He, he doesn't need people. He's a person who could live with, he doesn't need any people. Now that, I would ask now some more people about that, because that is a major concern. Now let me clarify why it should be a concern to look into, not to throw it away. Mm -hmm. Because there are many boys that, are, as in the yeshiva system works, they put roommates. And the quieter guys aren't verbal to express, oh, I want this guy or I want that guy. And they might be in a room where they don't like the people. Or he might be in a room where the people are so loud and he's excellent one-on-one. -on -one. Many, many people are fantastic one-on-one, -on -one, but in a group they're not. Or if you're in an environment that you don't like, you shut down. And maybe he's not even that happy in that yeshiva. The question would be now, one-on-one, -on -one, does he talk? One-on-one, -on -one, does he communicate? What about his chavrusa? Start asking the chavrusa, do you guys have a schmooze? Do you just learn or can he talk? Does he have any personal friends? If he's got no friends... You speak to the chavrusas and they don't schmooze about stuff, then you really got to be concerned. Maybe your wife is also, maybe your daughter, let's say, is someone that needs such a boy, but maybe not. But what mm -hmm. you need to find out is, just because in the room doesn't mean anything. What it means is you need to do more inquiry. Sorry, it's not that it doesn't mean anything. It means that it's not enough to passel it. He mm -hmm. might not like the boy. That boy might not like him. If they say he doesn't need anyone, you ask the Magad Shirim, does he have one friend? You might mm -hmm. ask the family themselves, tell me two friends that he has that knows him well. Mm -hmm. If a boy knows no one, and no one is really close to him, then that's a concern. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is a concern, and same for a girl. 
It might be that they just didn't feel safe enough. It might be that they have a problem. Either way, for this person to learn to interact, to connect, to a marriage will be an adjustment time. And the question is if you want your daughter or your son to go through that stage. I hear. Thank you so You're much. You're very really welcome. I appreciate the creating the awareness. We're going back to Baruch. Baruch, you're Hi. on. Yeah, um, it definitely helps, yes. Okay, so let's um, just, for those, those tuning in now, let's just go. So Baruch is a guy that claims he uh, suffers from anxiety. I don't want to. I don't like diagnosing over the air, especially not. But anxiety means feeling a little bit trapped. So you were given the basic, and the fantastic, I should say, CBT, CBT cognitive behavioral therapy tools, which is challenge the thought, do some deep breathing, some relaxation to calm you down, and you know think. Uh, you haven't said it, but probably like, what's the worst that can happen? And right. it has worked, but if the system seeps. Uh, keeps on coming back the symptoms so it'll come back yeah, in different it areas. works for everyday life when something big comes that's up, right. right it's that's right it works more for like pain management it's more like controlling the situation but it's not necessarily always healing it inner work yeah. is more that heals it when we heal, heal the inner child subconscious work and that's something that i'm personally a very big believer in in these type of work as well not to say cbt isn't good it means i believe a therapist must have a varied amount of tools, a variety amount of tools in the toolbox to deal with things. So you usually first do what you're doing, let's say what we are taught, the harm reduction, the CBT tools, and then you go to the next level. So one of the tools I suggested was that you now come up with a creative idea. Creative means an emotional idea that's not logical and see how your feeling feels because anxiety is a feeling issue. So now clarify, what number, let's say when you thought about that you're going to be trapped there from 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, what number did you feel before thinking about it? Davening for the Amid um, or, or the seven, eight. Okay, now once you imagine that those creative emotional solutions, what number did you feel? Three, four, let's say. Excellent. Now I'm going to take it a step further, and we'll, 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 we won't go to the next call. We'll have you go through this. What else can you imagine in that situation that would help you go now to a zero or to even go to positive numbers where you'll feel, wow, I can be there full time. I can be so trapped over there and feel so free. Um, I creative, guess, magical. Yeah, what? I guess being a different person. Good. See yourself a different person. Just tell me the name of the first person that you want to see yourself being. If you would be that person, you'd be great. Don't say his last name because we don't want everyone to be to try to be that guy on air. Yakov. Okay. Now imagine you are Yakov. Feel for a second you're Yon- your Yankel. How are you davening for the Ahmed? How does that feel now when you're at that Ahmed? Um, I don't know. I think I'm just. <laughs> How do you feel? Yeah, it's good. Whoops, you're breaking up. I feel good. You feel good. Do you feel energized? Is the uncle excited to daven for the Ahmed? Yeah, sure. Good. I'd like you to marinate in that feeling a minute or two, please. Feel yeah. you are your uncle. You're at that Ahmed and someone tells you something. You made a mistake. Bukharol, you did something wrong. <laughs> and you're just, okay. and your uncle, how does your uncle feel when they tell him that? Okay, big deal. Yeah. Could you see how Yankel just enjoys the Amit? Everyone's listening to him, and he starts some little chazanish shtickle over there. Yeah. And good. And normally in therapy, what we do, the next step is when we heal inner child work, like this inner work is, we then, which is subconscious emotional part of the brain, we go back to the past, we heal the past, and we create also a future progression, or however you'd like to look at it, call it, sort of create a new anchor over there. Uh-huh. But anyhow, my friend, fantastic work. What number do you feel now, Baruch? 
Um, under zero, I guess. Good. Can we now put it to I a have positive? One more question. Okay, go ahead, and then we want to go to the next callers because we got a lot well, of guys this, waiting. This obviously, this obviously helps before, but the shots mice so how would this help? Same idea. Well, okay. A little information. Subconscious work means the emotional part of the brain does not work with time. It's timeless. So a fear, a pain, or a happy story that happened to us, when we think about that, the more you spend time thinking about it, the stronger it will be. And time does not matter. So if it happened 30 years ago, you will feel it now. If you remember a time you made a mistake, you can start feeling embarrassed. You can remember a time that was great in your life or happy, success. You can feel powerful and strong. Right. The inner work of the subconscious type therapy of healing the inner child is going into that timeless part of your brain where there are certain programs that were programmed in, why you're afraid, where you made a mistake. Heal the inner part because there's no time, and then you'll find how using your logical brain with your emotional brain together is healed. Right. So I'm okay. a big believer in healing. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right, Baruch, a pleasure. You're brave for calling Thank in. Thank you so much. Keep it My event. Thank pleasure. You so much. Hatzlacha and good luck in camp. It's a fantastic experience. We've got two Yossi's on the line, so we're taking Yossi on line five. You probably don't know which one you are, so Yossi I'm, just told me. One of I'm you old. are going to find that you're being listened to. Yossi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes, Yossi. Okay, I have a question like this. Um, you said many times that even though the family members or friends like to try to help someone out, it's important not to um, overstep your bounds and get them to professional and necessary. Yes. Um, so I, wait, I, had a, mm -hmm. I had a question like this. Um, there's a very close friend of mine, Sekhshina Harusa, who's married for a number of years. Um, he's been going for help, for Sean Bias. Um, he is a guy who has, definitely has his peckle, um, and he's, he's willing to address it. His wife, on the other hand, is extremely manipulative, grew up in a house with extended way of communication, is screaming and yelling, please get your way, and everyone tries to appease you. So when he gets upset that he's not being told respect, that she's being controlling, whatever she was, you know, if he puts his foot down, then she'll be nice to him for an hour, uh, a day, but then goes back. She sees no problem because her family, her father and her mother, communicate that way. And for 28 years, 29 years, that's the way she lives. So now that they're in their 30s and they have four kids, who cares if that's what your problem is? This is the way I was mechanic, very, very strong-minded. He's also... Um, he is asking to go for help. He said, you, you pick the rav, any kill you want, I'll go to. It doesn't matter. She says, I don't need any help. The problem is yours. You're going to therapy for three years. It's not helping. The problem is with you. It's not with me. I'm willing to do nothing. He's basically leaning on my shoulders. How do, how do I direct such a person where not only do they um, realize that there's no problem, it's not like I can go to a family member or anyone, because in that family, they believe you, you work better kids with You don't need that it's Everything's written, and they're just extremely hypercritical people. How do you how do you get a spouse to therapy? I mean, he's pretty much he's holding at the end of the line. That's what he's holding. You know, so, he's just desperate. Okay, so let me explain to you, and we're going to go over here. Sort of to the question that we had with the lady with the anger issues, where the husband's got anger issues for many years, and the husband's issue has affected everyone. It is called codependent. I don't want to diagnose the wife over the phone with what you're saying, and I can say it's extremely common, as we had the caller before that asked about what do you look for in Shaduchim. Let me tell you what is the problem of a family that is dysfunctional. Whether they are together, whether they are not, it doesn't matter. But what happens is, let's assume the dysfunction is a level from 1 to 10 to 10. The kids are healthier, so the kid is still dysfunctional, but only a 5. But now, in order to run a healthy household, it needs to be down to, let's say, a 1 or a 2. This person says, but I'm still healthy. Look at what my parents are. Look at where I am. I don't need help. 
especially when there's a huge amount of fear of addressing the pains and the buried, the buried emotions tied to having to face their issues. This is a common issue, unfortunately, that I'm having over and over in our community in our generation now. It means I don't know what it was in the past, but this is an issue that either one side is wanting to get help and the other side isn't. And the solution that I say is always a tough one and no one likes to hear it. The family member that wants to get help, that is the nirdaf, that is the one that is being chased, needs to go for therapy. Not because they are being chased, because they need to realize that they, their tools, how they dealt with their wife, was not the correct way. They need special tools how to deal with someone that doesn't want to get help. Which means he will not realize how many times he's overcompensating. He's not realizing how many times he's reacting to her. He's not realizing, just to give you an example, classical example, which happens over and over, almost all the classical cases where you work on something like that, the wives aren't feeling well, the husbands cannot take certain jobs because they need to get the kids to school. Or if they're in Kyle, then the, kid, the husband can't go to Dav until later because the wife can't manage. You hear this title, or the wife that overcompensates for the husband, he or she can't manage. So the wife will take a second and a third job because the husband isn't working. We're not talking about where a wife is choosing to sit in to work, where the husband's choosing to sit in coil, where they both agree to that life. We're talking about overcompensating. And we're talking right, about but, unhealthiness. Okay, but in this case, he went to therapy for three years. I don't, something and, is wrong. Then he, then this guy did not go the to the right told, therapist. The therapist told me, if you want to help your friend, you should tell your friend, and you should tell your wife, his friends are because of friends, you know, a couple of years, you, sh you, sh you should tell her she should go for therapy because the way it looks no, is a one-man No, absolutely show, not. I, won't, I don't know who that therapist is, but I'm sorry to tell you that is not a therapist that I would recommend. Let me tell you how we deal with it. We set strong boundaries of the husband gently and lovingly. Again, I don't want to deal with such cases. I want you to know a case like that is 50 phone calls. So please don't send it to me. I won't anyhow take it. But I need you to understand. I've got, you can only handle about a therapist, whatever. Let's not go into that. But I've got three such cases. Uh, it sounds like the therapist might not be right for this. I don't want to judge and I don't know what type is going, what's going on with a husband. But when a husband changes his dance, and I can think of three, four cases on my caseload now and in the past, and therapists that are good, that deal with this, I would actually recommend that you call relief, you explain the situation, and they will give you therapists specifically that deal with these cases. You will see going to someone that has expertise in this area how it changes. But the question is, is the husband willing to be able to ignore her? Is the husband willing to say, only when you speak the correct way will I listen? When the wife yells, she walk, wait, wait, he will walk out. When she has a difficulty with the kids that they're now yelling and screaming and she's going, Tati's going to do this. And when he, she comes in, do you know what the kid just did? And he will say, sorry, this is your issue. You got to deal with this. I'm not getting involved. But he can deal with the kids on his own. There is so much more. And it sounds right, to me. But, uh, one age that was given, which I, I'm totally against, and I don't know what, you, what your take is, is that he should just be quiet. And he tells me the times that he's quiet, she's a, she's a lot better to him because she supposedly has major anxiety and needs him to emotionally understand her. But at this point, for three years, he's it's been the It's missing it. No, we're not doing that. You're missing it. Those are part of the tools, but it's not the whole tool. Let, let me, let me um, just give you a muscle to what you're asking. Understand that I, in my opinion, like when I look at certain diagnoses, you need to rate them from 1 to 10. What can I do? What can I do alone? What are heavy cases, easy cases? Certain cases are very difficult. You're bringing up someone that is having a major heart failure, three valves are clogged, and you want advice how to deal with it. A case like this, usually you have two, three therapists working on it. You have a therapist working with him. 
You have another therapist either working with her if she's willing to go. If not, someone encouraging him or giving him chizik, working with a person that's being mechazik him with you. You need professional guidance how to guide him. This is from the hardest cases. You're not asking me an anxiety that generally you can heal. If it's not too complicated in 10, 15 sessions, you can heal anxiety. You're talking about something that's talking about two years of therapy. You're talking about two, three therapists involved being in touch. You're talking about being able to, for this husband to have a therapist where he's available to ask with therapy twice a week on the tools. How do I deal with this? Where this friend might come in as a support system as well. And you do right, that. You're asking the most complicated of questions, and you want the answer like Aregalachas for it. So how do you just do a triple bypass? No, no, no. Okay, so I'm, I'm saying as a friend again. I'm, I'm not a professional. You can as a friend. As a friend, my recommendation to you as a friend is call up relief, find out who is an expert when you explain the case. I don't even want to shoot diagnosis over the, over the phone line, like because what I get all the time is how many times I've gotten the case. The wife is a machshefa. Oh my gosh, and, husband, and then you do the evaluation. You see what's going on, and boy, does this husband have issues as well, or major issues. And then you see it's not a husband, it's not a wife, and usually these cases, three people need sessions here. It's him, her, and the marriage, and that's why I'm saying why don't send it to me, because I find you need a team to deal with such therapy. And I feel if you call Relief or Echo, where they have the recommendations, they have the guidance, this is not a Yoitzim Naklal Shiloh. Unfortunately, it's a very common Shiloh. And you will find how your friend is codependent. He's afraid to be assertive. He only blows up. He only says what he does through anger. Or he's completely quiet. He needs to learn the balance. There is so much that I hear. I hear two years of therapy. I hear six months of pre-therapy where he needs work on himself. And between me and you, anyone that goes to a therapist for six months three months, and you don't see changes besides for this case where you need to still have someone involved to evaluate, change. Anyone listening, just like a medical doctor, you're going somewhere, you're not getting better, change. Get a second opinion. Get a third opinion. A case like this is about two years of therapy, but he must be first going to individual therapy on himself. Okay. And I'm sorry I couldn't give you an easier answer, but this is from the hardest of cases to deal with. We are going to no go. No problem. Yes. And by the way, he is lucky to have you as a friend. And yes, great. The number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. About anything in your mental health questions or comments about that. And you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. For you to listen to us, you got us on jrootradio.com. You can listen to us on 712-432-4217. And looking forward to taking your questions. You can also please go to our website on jrootradio.com because we want to get your testimonials saying how much you miss us and you want us on the radio. You want us to stay on the radio because, as you know, we are needing to get it. So please send your go to jrootradio.com. Your messages does matter. Thank you for that. Let us go now to Yossi, the second Yossi. Thank you for holding so long. You're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, I, um, first of all, thank you very much for taking my call. And I've been waiting for you to get on the air for the whole Benazman already, the whole Pesach. I've been waiting for this. You know, this is my, uh, my highlight of the whole week, basically. This is your talk show. Anyway, I first of all, um, I really appreciate your waiting, your listening, and thank you for being brave to call in. Thank you. Okay, my question is as follows: um, How do you how do you know uh, like how do you get to know your true nature? Which means basically, sometimes I feel like um, feel like you know very uh, very you know, popular and like 
you know, loud and, you know, outgoing and uh, connecting to people and understanding people and helping out and, you know, alive and everything. And then it's like, like other times, like, I feel very, like, antisocial and, like, you know, like, feel quiet, like, like my nature is a quiet nature. I don't know which one is right. So let me first explain to you a beautiful concept. I have a program on my phone line, and we really got to get it out over here. The truth is to the j Radio to be able to download it. Um, I've got about 63 or 61, I don't even remember the numbers, of like hour-long shear and basically social, how to connect to people, how to make friends, how to deal with... Right, I do this all the time. I take notes on them, too. They're very good. Well, but, thank uh, you. All right, so we've got over there just a program for you to realize. I don't even remember the number offhand, but I think it's in the 30s. And it's about knowing your nature. Now, one of the Yesodas, I bring over there about 16 different natures. But I'd like you to understand a Yesodah, and especially, I'm making the assumption, are you, how old are you? Are you a teenager, roughly? I'm um, low, like, low 20s. Low 20s, okay. And this is a Yesodah I find that's amazing. We all have, we're a combination of natures, which means part of us needs to be loud, part of us needs to be quiet. And I go into 16 different natures, someone that's a Hatsala member, someone that loves information, and I go into the positive of each emotion of each nature and then the negative of each nature. What we need to realize is we're a combination. It means at times we need to feed means at times we need to feed each of our of each of our natures. So just as an example, I once heard how a wife described her husband after she listened to the program, it was amazing. Said this guy is a Oh, I don't want to use him cold-blooded, but very little emotions. But at the same time, he has a nature where he loves helping people. And it sounds like a steer, doesn't it? Guess what this guy does for a chesed? He does tahiris on people. Tahiris, that when people are nifter, you need to just be full that the whole preparation. So this person does a job that is not that emotional. But at the same time, he is someone that that likes helping people. And the Rabbi Yishlam, if you can use your natures, combine them, see how to use them, they work out very well. I know many people have very opposite natures. Like you said, one part of you needs to be very loud, outgoing, and then part of you is like needs your space. And the answer is we need both. You need to recognize if you... What? I'll throw myself a little better. Basically, like, when when I'm with friends, I'll like, let's say you can't, but it counts as well, and I'm loud, and you know, like I make a lot of noise, and we have fun together. I feel you know, like I feel like I'm one of those, you know. I, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, popular, loud, schmuck, and everything. But at the same time, I realize that I'm one of the most of like, like when I hear a cassette story or like music, like people like slow songs and stuff, you know, like it get me to cry, like, you know, really get me to cry. And I, I really like these books. I read books like on like, like, it's like uh, how to get better. It's like how and all these stuff, this, this is what I like, but I find that people are loud, all my friends, the, the loud friends I have, like the, you know, the crazy ones, the fun, the fun ones, as I call them, those guys, they don't, they don't like to push it, like, they don't like push it any of the stuff, they don't like pushing nature, and like, I, I'm very into nature, uh, uh, I read, uh, um, I read the, um, Rabbi Bibi Miller books all the time, I, I'm like, I'm very that, so that makes me feel like, like maybe, like, maybe I'm not one of those guys, like, I'm not one of those, like, you know, like, Loud guys, because loud guys don't appreciate this. Now, let me share with you a concept that I find, and that's one of the tools that we use with bullying, and maybe this can help you out as well. And what it means is as follows. The people that are leaders that follow, that everyone follows, and unfortunately sometimes to the negative when they use it for bullying tactics, are those that speak up. If people would know that you like nature, 
you might find several people that would connect to you and say, oh, I also love reading about Victor Miller's farm, and you will find that you connect to those types of people. But what usually happens is that when someone is more an emotional person, they're more aware of if they say something, people might laugh. They might be aware that if I won't like something that's different than others, people might not accept me. So because we are more sensitive, and I use we because I have that nature as well, part of me is that nature, what it means is then you hold yourself back from saying what you want. Those people that are stronger, that are more outgoing, they usually don't feel anything. Or they don't feel that much. So they can say, oh, I like this. You're going to find that a guy that's a leader personality decides today that he wants to talk about hiccups. Do you know that I have a problem with hiccups? I know some people are going, oh, yeah, I have, I have a sister that has it. They discuss what they want. And sometimes people don't, what? Listen, why are you even discussing that? Eh, and then he moves on. Then he'll try another topic. Which is now to understand that based on your nature, you might be more sensitive, you might also be holding back more of what you like to talk about, so then you're also finding yourself more isolated. If you can tap into that outgoing nature and feel safe and comfortable to discuss things that you like, you might find that more people will be coming forward and agreeing with you, I like that and I like that too. One other thing for you to realize based on your nature of being an emotional person is the more emotional you are, I would use the word picky, but the more picky you are to who you want to be as friends. So these people that feel less, they don't mind talking to anyone. In fact, I know someone even says, I can even talk to trees. I just need to talk. And these people can get along with everyone because most of the people are more quieter listeners. So the more the person's talkative, the more friends they will have. But you want something more of talent. You want someone more of substance. And therefore, there's going to be less people for you to connect to with that. So understand that while that guy might have 500 friends, you might just have five friends. But the same power and enjoyment that you have of five friends is what he has with 500. No, but, but I'm saying, but it's just, but like when I hang out with these people, with a lot of people, I mean, I have like a lot of friends, a lot. I mean, you know, I have you know, a lot of sides, you know, which, you know, which I enjoy a lot. I mean, you know, I talk to them, I'm going with them. It's a lot, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to be with them. And I mean, I must look from this pretty loud too. But what I'm not sure is if, if you know, if they get to me, like, I mean, I am, you know, some sort of like, you know, it depends on the mood, but when I'm in the right mood, I get a little, you know, loud too. But, but what's bothering me is that I'm not sure if that means that I'm just, like, with the fact that I had all thought of it, so I'm not sure which nature is really the right one. They're all the right one. What we need to learn is to balance. When you can give yourself time to be quiet, and you can give yourself time to be alive, and you can give yourself time to be with nature, and you can give yourself time to learn about Victor Miller's, and you can give yourself time to go out with friends and be wild, those are part of you. And when you got to feed each of them. Okay, like, when it comes to stuff, let me ask you, like, what type of guy is this guy? Like, this you know, guy like, like, is a very, like, this guy is a very complex, right, and that's the beauty of it, and that's why when you get a girl, when you'll find you right by shirt, you'll find someone that will match the needs that you have, that you will have all the complexities to you. Yes. So it's not like, like, like quiet or it's loud, but sometimes quiet or quiet. It's, it's both. We'll oh. see whatever Hashem sends you. Someone that can understand both. You might like someone that's louder. You might someone like someone that's quieter. It's funny that once, again, in the Litvish system where we date, you might marry someone that you didn't expect. It just feels good. And there's a lot more to that. I don't want to go into the Shaduchim part because we got a lot of people that are waiting, but I just want to take a few to understanding yourself. Let's stick to the focus. And that's about understanding yourself is you have different 
natures. The Rabbi Shalom creates a person with steerus, very, very much so. There's nothing wrong with you when you have opposite wants and opposite thoughts. That's what I find many times people are coming into my office with feelings that I might be anxious and I might have different stuff and it's more understanding that they need and how to be at ease with the different natures and how to feed and how to take care of each part and understand the strengths to each of our natures, each part of them, and to understand the weaknesses. Being a feeling part brings sadness. I don't want to call depression. Being sadness brings emotions. Being a leader type, being loud, brings that you might say things to people that you might regret later. Learning to balance, learning the strengths of each nature and the weaknesses is what is our job. Thank you. Thank you, Yossi, Thank you for holding. Much. I appreciate it. We're going to take a two-minute break, and we will come back to the next questions that we've got. So keep on holding. The number to call in is to, for your question or comment to 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. You can listen to us live on jritradio.com or at the phone line 712-432-4217. All right, so we'll take, we'll just work out the technical stuff over here. Let us go then to the next question, and then we're going to play around. Who is the next? Let me just see. We've got Sylvia or Sylvia on the line. Let's see, on line one. Hello? Hello? Yes. Hi, what is your name? Sylvia. Sylvia. Excellent. Very good. Yes. Thank you for uh, holding. I'd like, ask, I'd like to ask you, uh, how can you put a seven-year-old to sleep when he refuses. All right, so um, this is something that I've mentioned several times. We just haven't mentioned it this program, so it's understandable. We're really not taking questions, let's say, for, for kids under the age of eight or nine because part of the issue is there are simple there are tools that isn't that can't be done in about three minutes on the phone which means it's actual practicing so putting kids to sleep how to get them dressed how you could get kids to eat kids should listen the first time there is about a four to six step that's like with the parenting courses which are just tools how to get a kid to go to sleep because no kid will go to sleep so let me ask you what did you do in the past when he was five years old the same issue <laughs> Exactly. That's struggling. my point. That's right. So let me just tell you, take any parenting course, not because you need parenting, not that your parenting isn't good. There are just tools that will help you because it's not a three-minute conversation. It's about what are your concerns, recognize to do this, how do you do it, then train with the words, then following up. It's a follow-up program. So I appreciate the bravery and your holding. But what I find is needed is just take any course. This is the most olive-based issue that they address. They address with getting the kids dressed. They, they address putting kids I've to sleep. I've taken many courses. This is my youngest child. So it's not that I had any issues with the, this, you know, the other kids. It's just that this one is very different. Okay, how is this I've one different then? Old, um, he's very stubborn. He also has eating, very bad eating habits. And uh, it's just a struggle all along with everything. So, and I, this is my youngest child. I have a 23-year-old. Let me ask you, are you different? This is a question I ask almost all parents when I get to youngest child. Are you different? Are you treating this youngest kid different than you're treating the other kids? Like, what would you do if it was your oldest, your 23-year-old, and not wanting to go to sleep? Um, I 
I went and I lay down with him, and he says he went to sleep. He was much easier going than this one. He's very, he's not easy going at all. This one, he's very tough. And I had tough kids too, which yeah. I I did the same thing. We had the same routine for going to sleep every night. We had, you know, um, I read them books or I sat down next to them. I I go and lie down with them for forty five minutes sometimes, and then he comes right back with me at downstairs and he just stays up to says whatever he wants. So it's I've been doing all the routines and whatever I've been doing with the other kids, but this one is just. He's got your number. I usually tell parents, let's recognize that our kids are double our strength. Means they have our genetics and our husband's genetics. So they have us times the husband all in one. So it makes sense exactly what you're saying. I would just say that I would I would give you the ideas, but I don't know if it's going to be easy to implement. That's why it's more like a system where it needs followed up in four or five weeks. Usually this is put... But one of the one of the points I'm going to recommend is you speak to your son the, in the morning or to, before you go to sleep once or twice. And you tell him, when you go to bed, when I'll be there for 10 minutes, then you stay in bed. Are you going to stay in bed? And you need him to say yes. Then when he goes out of bed, of course, he definitely will test you out. If not that night, then the second night, you tell him you need to go into bed. You, all you do is you need to go into bed. You completely ignore him. You don't speak to him. He needs the bathroom, the this, the that. You don't yell at him. You don't. You can go yourself to your room. You can do whatever you'd like. It's as if he's not there. And anytime he asks you something, it's my son is now asleep. The next day, you follow up. You tell him, very good, you were in bed, but you came out of bed. We need to make sure that you stay in bed. How will I make sure that you go to bed? You've got to have some tools. If he goes to school, because if kids don't listen at all, then they won't go to school. So if you're getting him to go to school, then you have some authoritative steps or position over him. You're going to want to use that. He likes school, so he will go to school. Okay, he's but very, he's not going because bright. he likes it. He he's going because he has to. He's not going because he likes it. He's going because he has to. Because as much as kids like school, they'd much rather be home, play with their toys. So you've got some strength. What you need to do now is prepare him in advance. And let's say his name is Yitzchak. Yitzchak, you've got to be in bed. You've got to go to bed. You've got to do your job. I've got my jobs. I do mine. Your job is to go to bed. Don't fight it. Go to bed and stay in bed. Repeating it, preparing with him the day before. Then the next day he says, Yitzchak, you got out of bed yesterday. What are we going to do that tonight you're going to stay in bed? I don't want to. I don't like it. you got to go in bed. Everyone's got their jobs. Mommy's got her job. Tati's got his job. There are days I don't want to do laundry, days I don't want to cook. I do my job. Your job is to go to school, go to bed, behave, do your homework, do your job, go to bed. But I know you're going to tell me you've tried it, you've done things similar to that, and it hasn't worked. That's why when it comes to parenting issues, it's about a course. It's about one-on-one tools. It's about then doing the next week following up. Find out where's, what key does he have to you that other kids didn't have. And that's exactly the reason why we usually don't do the parenting questions because it's something that needs four or five follow-up tools how to do that. I understand. But um, would you also do that in your office or you wouldn't do it? Yes, I would. But I would still recommend, I'm just trying to shift things away from me. I'm trying, I'm I'm really aiming at this program. This program should not bring me clients. I'm not trying to do this for advertising. Baruch Hashem, the Rebbe has sent me what I work on. I'm happy with what I have. 
The main program is over here for awareness. So awareness is there anyone is, specific that you'd recommend? Um, no, but just find any of the find any of the parenting workshops. Just listen. There's always advertising. Just the only thing I would ask is that you would, that you can ask the person that you can have a connection to the person. So I don't mind if you do any phone lines, if you do anything on the internet that they have programs or anyone in person, just where you can also have a contact where you can ask. Because okay. I feel your case, like you said, you did very well with with your other kids. It's just this one kid. That's why I feel you need just the one-on-one sessions. I don't feel you have like parenting issues. It's just how to take the tools that you have and, and implement it to this one kid. So I guess then the recommendation would be to call relief. Yeah. Relief, they have a whole center, like they have, they answer, you know, they do Jewish referrals and not just to front therapists, to everyone. And just tell them that you need someone just to guide you a little with the parenting skills for one specific kid because you have it. They would know who to recommend. My real, my goal over here of this program of, of being and answering the questions is not for people to come to me. It's to create awareness and know there are lots of other good people out there. So thank you. And the number to relief is online? Um, yes, you can look it up. Yeah, relief resources, and you can get it online. Yes. And okay, we're, going to take, so we're going to take a quick break now. The number to call in to ask your question or comment for your host, for me, for Mordechai Weinberger, is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we're going to take a quick two-minute music break, and we'll return right after. <laughs> בטרם כל יציר נברא, לעת נעשה בחפצו כל, אזי מלך שמו נקרא, ואחרי ככלות הכל, לבדו ימלוך נורא, והוא היה והוא הווה, והוא יהיה בתפארה. Thank <laughs> גדול כוח וגבורה, והוא אלי חי גואלי, וצור חבלי ביום צרה, והוא נשיא ומנוסי, מנת כוסי ביום אקרא, והוא רופא והוא מרפא, והוא צופה והוא עזרה. בידו אפקיד רוחי, בעת אישן בעירה, ועם רוחי גווייתי, אדוני לי ולא אירא, במקדשו תגן נפשי, משיחנו ישלח מהרה, ואז נשיר בבית קודשי. אמן אמן שם הנורא, ואז נשיר בבית קודשי. אמן אמן שם הנורא, אמן אמן שם הנורא.
Right. Okay, everyone, we're back. And I appreciate that little two-minute break. We are going to go now to Sara Online 3. Sara Online 3, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I have this kid in my class who, she's like going through a hard time, and I'm not sure exactly like what it is, but my question is, is that basically on perm, she decided that she wanted to become drunk. How well so, old a kid, by the way, when you're talking about, when you said kid, my mind was thinking between the ages of three and seven. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, she's uh, not a kid. She's 16. But, yeah. She's a what? She's 16. 16. Okay. And what is your question? That, like, she um, decided to, um, turn to, like, become drunk and... Um, basically, that is one of the things that people do, like, to escape, like, what you're feeling and stuff, so, like, you don't have to feel it. Right. And my question is, like, I know that, like, it's a problem, and I want to help her, but, like, I don't know how I could help her, because, like... So you're a friend? What's your relationship with this girl? I'm not quite sure. Say that again? We didn't hear it clearly? I'm not sure. You're not sure what your relationship is. Mm-hmm. So let's let's clarify. When we want to help someone, we need to be in the position to help them. So if something is going on in Uganda right now and it really bothers me, I need to then get myself into the position to help them. So I might contact the Ugandan embassy. I might find a help find some help relief organizations that go to Uganda and we can try to help them. So if you want to help someone you want to try to then connect to them, either contact them, either contact a family member. And just being able to do that is something that's very important. Make the connection. But how? How? Well, again, I don't know your relationship with this person, so it's very hard for me to say that. Are you a sister? Are you a cousin? Are you a friend? Are you someone from the outside? If you're, uh, Yeah. Um, I, um, what's it called? I'm her classmate. Okay, so... I think there's a lot more going on to this question that's going on. Just from my listening, there's, and therefore it's very hard to guide you. What I would recommend is, I think it's a bit more personal. Because if you're just a classmate, you can either speak to someone in the school. Or I think there's a lot more going on that I'm not hearing in this question. Classmates can generally speak to them. Are you close to her then? Do you speak to her? I think there's a lot more going on. And it's hard to guide with this vague question. But let's assume, let's make the assumption you're just a classmate and this girl was drinking, and you feel she's escaping things, I don't know how much she might want to open up to you if you're a classmate. Or maybe she would want no, to open up. No, um, I'm also friendly with her. I'm not just a classmate. Okay, does she divulge to you? Does she tell you that she does things and she has stresses and all that stuff? Um, sometimes. Like, like more, more or less, she tells me. More like she tells you? More or less. Well, first, just listening is a major point. Does that help her by the fact that you're listening? Okay. I'll tell you what. This, the question, I just feel that it's a loaded question. Not loaded. There's just too much going on over here that...
too rough, too drafty. I think there are too many personal personal information going on, and the way you're phrasing it, you're not sure what you could say, what you can say. So I appreciate the bravery, and I would really recommend if you want to help her, just be the listening ear. Try to get her to open up to a teacher or someone that's understanding or to someone that you know that's available. And this way you can start the process. Don't keep it in on yourself. Don't try to be the therapist on your own. Try to shift her, encourage her to always to speak to someone else. Teenagers have an issue where they feel I can't trust anyone. <clears throat> but that's not true. Once they open up and there are people that have experience and know what's doing, it feels a lot more assured. So at first it's hard, but then after it feels great. Thank you for calling in and I appreciate it. We're going to go to Yitzchak on line 5. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And you can listen to us live on the jrootradio.com and on the studio um, on the other number, 712-432-4217. Yitzchak, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. First of all, thank you for this program. My pleasure. I would like to ask a question. Um, if somebody um, has good ideas and has knowledge and talent in business and he knows the specific thing that, that he wants to do, and um, a lot of parts of it go, and by a certain, certain point he gets stuck, um, let's say, to be productive. But I think that, let's say, the problem is that he is scared to accomplish certain things, let's say, he's scared uh, somebody's going to bite off his nose. You know what I mean? Of course. He'll go public and someone might knock him down, someone will be upset with him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What is your and question? My question is, um, it's, a big pain. It, it's a lot of pain. Somebody knows that he could do so much and be so accomplishing and he just gets stuck for such reasons, and other people who have um, less talent than that do much, accomplish much more, because they don't think they just push through, you know, they they come, they do what they have to do and finish. And uh, at a certain point, you get anxiety and you're scared to do, you're scared to to, to go to the end, to, let's say, to, to make the deal and, and do it and go down and find someone and... I have two thoughts on the matter. Number one is, you're saying the exact words of Shleim HaMelech, Mar B'chachma, if you have more wisdom, Mar B'machav, you're going to have more pain. You're going to see it, you're going to recognize it. That Remember, to every talent, every talent that the Rabbi Shleilam gives, there is a Mila and there is a Chesaron. That's why everyone on this world is going to have a lesson that we're going to have to work through. So yes, the, the pain of wisdom, the pain of, under, or I should say the responsibility or the talent of having wisdom, of having understanding, will be also more aware of pain, will be more aware of negative stuff, will be more afraid, can be more sensitive. That goes with it. And if I would give you a choice, would you rather be less, less smarter and less sensitive? Or would you take wisdom and the pain? What would you choose? And it's really a trick question, and you'll see why based on your answer. Wisdom with the pain. Wisdom with pain, less wisdom without pain. What would you pick? Wisdom with the pain. Excellent. So now we're already on the right track, which means you're accepting this is what you would like to, this is your nature, and you're accepting your nature. 
Now what you got to learn is the talent. Now comes the avoida to wisdom is how to have the balance and to face those fears, to face those negative thoughts, to face that, that cynical view. Just to give you an example, I've, I've a friend or two that are accountants. And they tell me the worst thing to own a business is to be an accountant. I go, why is that? And he said, because accountants need everything to make sense a thousand percent before they go into the business. Now, every business, if you've got to figure it out beforehand, how it's going to go, well, chances are you won't start a business. So he tells me most accountants you're going to see are going to talk about businesses, are going to run for, are going to run other people's businesses, but they won't open up their own business. So being exact, needing everything to fit, that's amazing mile and the talent. At the same time, the negative side to that myelin talent is that when you want to open a business, you've got to have that little leap of faith. Things won't always make sense. And based on that nature, they might have a difficulty. So now if you are given the bracha or the nature of seeing into the future, understanding that, understanding how businesses run, it will come with the issues of feeling pain, having doubts, and learning. And now mastering that is your lesson, which the Rabbi Shalom has put you on this world to do. Just on a joking level, the same concept I heard about, I heard it from a Shia, I don't remember from who, and he said it sort of um, as a concept of a bedicha, of a joke, came to about Shlema Melech, when it says in Kehelis, actually I'm not even sure where it says exactly, but Shlema was Chachamikol Adam, what, I mean, I'm sorry, I think it was Rashi and Navi, wherever it was, but Rashi says of the Afil Michsil, even from the simple people. And they say, hold on, how could you say that? It should have been from the smart people. So the, I heard from the Rav, he says, in a joking manner, he says, simple people think they are the smartest people out there. He says, even they were masking that Shlema Melch is smarter than them. So yes, people that are not that intelligent, which means not that they're not smart, they have, might have a lot of chachmas hachayim, they might have a lot of street wisdom, but they're not making 50,000 cheshboinus as you do, they see life simple, they could see many smart, intelligent people and go, they're not smart, they're not getting anywhere, they're stuck in their thoughts. So what we want to realize is this concept, that everyone in their nature has their strengths, everyone in their nature has their shortcomings. And jokes are made of these simple people, which think they're the smartest people because they don't think so much, so therefore they're smarter. And even they could agree that Shlema Melech is Chacham, me call them smarter than them. The number to call in with your question or comment is, right. is I'll just shoot the number, and if you still want to ask something, okay. it will be a 718 5858. Right, but I would like to know how to break it through. Well, you didn't give me any details. And and finally get there, you know? You haven't given details. The more details you give, the more we can help you. Tell me a concern that you have. You said you just Um, have, you see businesses, you have a hard time. So I gave you the answer based on the question. If you'd like a more detailed answer, shoot a more detailed question. Yes, uh, I'm talking about a specific um, business thing that I'm doing a long time already. And a certain point, let's say, I could make the phone calls, and when I have to find someone and break it through, make a closing, it doesn't go because again, you still it's still too general. Which means, let me clarify: when you just what I heard from you is that a person that you want to make a closing and it doesn't go, it doesn't go because you didn't follow up with the person, it doesn't go because you didn't have the paperwork on time, it doesn't go because the people then changed their mind. You don't know how to be tougher. There are so many aspects to okay. this. And that's why I want you to realize, hold on, hold on, before we go, I want you to realize is this is where coaches come in, business coaches come in specifically for this, how to guide you and how to take over. That is the goal of, 
That is the goal of business coaches. They identify your business, they identify what your weaknesses are, and that mm -hmm. is what you take. And then they will guide you how to do that. Yes, let's say I don't make the last phone call for a closing. I don't do that. That's right. And you just might need a business coach to tell you, okay, we're setting our goals. We follow up that once a week and you'll be going, did you make that call? Didn't you make that call? What's holding you back? And that's where business coaches come in. And you mm -hmm. might need them. So not to be afraid of them. That's what they're there for. So where do I find one? Every Kahila's got them. All you have to do is, let's think, how do you find a business coach? Um... I'm not even sure right now. I just somehow, you know, I, you know what? I'll tell you, call the J Radio. I'll give you a name offhand. I don't like endorsing anyone publicly on air because that's someone. But if you hold on the line or I am going to make a recommendation, I'm going to write it down. Just hold on the line. And this guy will okay. give you two names that I'm thinking of offhand. And we're going to take the next caller. So thank you for calling for the question. It's important. Very helpful, and we are going to go to the next one. Just keep him on. Just put him on hold. I'll give you the name that you'll tell him who to call up. Um, we're going to MoMA. You are on the air with Mordechai. Hello? MoMA? Yeah, hi. Hi, what is your name? Lumma. Can you spell it for me? B-L-U-M-A. B-U-L-M-A. Bulma. B-L-U-M-A. B-L-U-M-A. Bluma. Ah, now I got it. I, yeah, we didn't get it here. Good, Bluma. And for those of you listening in, we will still be taking one or two callers after this. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. Bluma, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. I was wondering, you had a few Shadokim calls before, and I had a question about my son who has seen many, many girls over 50. Yes. And um, the last girl he went out with, the current girl, um, again, there are things that are bothering him, and I'm just not sure if maybe the problem lies in him, that um, he has too high expectations, and I'm, I, I feel a little of a responsibility if I push him and he's not really excited about it, but in a way, I feel like, what's going to be, does it make sense, like a person just keeps on going out and out and out, and then everything has this problem? Let me ask you, is your son very picky in general? Not tremendously, no. Another question. Are there any issues in your marriage where he might be afraid? Okay, don't answer that. <laughs> I, I don't that think so anyways. I don't right. think that's the issue. Uh-huh. Um, I, I do think he's a little scared of marriage because some of his friends had bad marriages. And I think that's maybe subconsciously, you know, like a little of a fear. So like he's trying to find things that are wrong, maybe. Well, let me ask you, what do you think is his fear in marriage? Um, I think divorce. Okay, that's um, definitely something to be concerned about. But why? Why would he be more concerned about divorce? Just because some of his friends. I mean, uh, maybe a higher proportion than usual in his circle mm -hmm. got, did get divorced. Okay, now that is, so here's where two things come in. There are dating coaches, mm -hmm. which can help that out to help him and face it. Let's say if he dates a girl more than date three or four, where it might be serious, but he has concerns. That's where dating coaches come in specifically for that. Mm -hmm. Or there are therapists that can just help out that fear not to be concerned that even though the guys in every divorce, I usually will say there are two sides to it. 
So mm-hmm. he might just be hearing his friends' sides about how bad the wives are, but then look at your mother. What a wonderful person. Look at your sisters. Wonderful people. Look at your... So it might mm-hmm. be therapy that he but might... But the need. problem is he... He doesn't really say that's the reason why. He really does keep on saying, like, oh, she's not lively enough. Or, like, you know, he always has a reason why he doesn't like the girl. I would recommend a dating coach. Mm -hmm. Find dating coaches. You invest a little in it. Speak to them ahead of time. Let them guide him through two, three shaduchim that he's dating. And let's see, you know, let's see what they pick up and, and get, of course, his permission for them to give you permission, to give you feedback. So this way you'll know how to deal with it and what to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Um, we're going to go to... Yes, hi. You're on... Oh, so we're going to take over here a question, one quick question um, through the text, and then we're going to be taking the calls that are calling in right now. Um, someone, I'm helping plenty of Bacham on the street. How can I make them go for help? And do they always need it? Well, this is a controversial one. The answer is, of course they need it if kids are on the street. Without a doubt that they need professional help. But they need something more than professional help. They need love. Love and caring is what you do. And usually when you deal with kids at the street, you need an entire team. You need someone to be the surrogate parents. You need someone then to be their parents, which means to connect with that. You need someone to go deal with to make sure to start teaching them stuff in life. you got to be successful. you got to get up. you got to work. you got to be able to handle and manage responsibilities. That is what is important. So now, how could you make them go to help? That's part of it. If you explain to them help is not because there's something wrong with you. Help is about clearing up your emotions. Help is about being stronger. That is the goal. Once you can do that, then you can help them out. Understand, you are part of it. You are part of the success. And part of what we'll do it, but you're not the entire part. And to work with kids on the street, you need everything. You need a lot of stuff over there. So that is something that we'd like to focus on. We're going to still take one or two more questions. Or one more. No more questions. We're not taking any more questions. Not sure what. Okay. Um, so the number, you know, to call in is 718-683. 5858-718-683-5858. Colin, we will take one more question or two still. So we will take another question, actually. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We're going to take... Yeah, we will take another question. So thanks a lot for that. Um, let's go ahead and take one more quick quick text, text over here while we get the person logged in through the phone system is a father and a family that needs a lot, a lot of help. What do you do? And the secret is go for therapy, which means if it's a huge issue, then we got to go for therapy. If it's little stuff, then we can say speak to a life coach, go to a Rav, go to someone, but that's what we need. We're going to take probably our last call for today. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. I just want to find out um, what, why would be a, a reason for a therapist to stop seeing a client after two or three years? Okay, there are, there are several reasons. One of the reasons why a therapist would stop is therapy is most effective when there is movement happening. And what happens is, many times when clients are working a while with a therapist, you get comfortable with the therapist. The therapist gets comfortable with you. 
And that push, that drive to change, to move, isn't there. And that's why you need something fresh. That's one of the benefits of having a new Rebbe every year. They're fresh again. And that's the same thing when parents go on vacation. There's fresh again. So many times a therapist can feel that either they're not seeing or they saw progress for a year and a half, but then you plateau. It's healthy for a therapist to say, I am now not doing the best that I can for you. Let's try to get someone else that can do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, but what if the client doesn't feel that way? Well, many times the clients don't feel that way, but that's part of the therapist's role that the therapist needs to identify. Am I being the best or is the client now comfortable? Many times people are looking for surrogate parents to take over. This will be my father, this will be my mother. That's not the therapist's role. Therapist's role is to make process move. Part of the training that we get in social work school is how to connect and how to disconnect when we are not being the optimum when someone else can do a better job. We make the referral. We don't just drop a client and say, you're on your own. We make the referral. Let's find someone else that will do it. You go through that closing stage. You're going through the, I forgot now the professional term that we use it. Um, when you finish with a client, you need to, it's a process. You don't just drop a person. You try to go through the process. Well, many times the clients don't want to hear that. And they still think they'll get there, but no. It's important for a therapist to be able to connect, to be able to engage, and to be able to then disengage and to say, now I'm not the best. That's the job of a therapist to do that. And it's the job of the client to learn to reconnect to someone else then. Does that make what, sense? Yeah, but what if the client takes time to build up trust. Is it possible that they still work with the old therapist and then slowly start with a new therapist? Usually clients will never, will always say that and they won't move on. That is the issue. The issue is that they need to make the break, complete break for the client to be able to go to the next one or the client will always think about my old therapist. And that you need to be careful. Depends what type of client. But most of the time the clients that are holding on, that is the issue that is going on. All right. Thank you for the question. We'll hop around one more caller. How long do we have? Two minutes? Let's see if we could do We'll do Yaakov. Yaakov, you're on the air with Mordechai. I, um, we got two minutes or less, so let's try to make the question fast. Okay, and the answer so fast. very quick over here. I wanted to tell you, first of all, I'm a huge, huge fan of you in particular. And um, another quick, basically the question is that I heard a few times over the program today, you were saying to different people on the Shidduch coach, um, a marriage coach, uh, business coach, basically you're recommending a lot to go out to coaches. I understand a lot of people need coaches today, but isn't it better if we could try to deal with things ourselves? Um, let me ask you one quick question. How did you teach yourself to get dressed? Did okay. You, did you, uh, do you know accounting? It's true. Do you do your own accounting? Absolutely not. Well, do you do your own matter? Do you go to yourself to listen to your chest to see if you're feeling well? I understand that, but I mean, there's always a risk when you go out to a business coach or whatever, and I'm sure we all gain from going out to a coach, but a lot of times you become handicapped by going out, and a lot of coaches... That is, let me clarify, that is a misconception, and there might be coaches that actually perpetrate and actually do that negative thing, which is they take over your life. The goal of coaching is just to give you information. The goal of coaching is that's supposed to work for you. The reason why I recommend out is because I find in the old times, what I heard from my Rebbe is you used to have a Rav that used to ask everything too. So the Rabbanim used to be the therapist, Rabbanim used to be the business coaches, you used to ask them halacha shilas. Today we don't have, we're not using the Rabbanim. I think we should. We would have a lot less therapists if we're going to be going to our Rabbanim, if we're going to be discussing issues before they explode. 
I believe that wholeheartedly. Since we are not asking advice, we now get into, we start a business without ever speaking to a lawyer how to set up a business, without ever speaking to an accountant about how to run it. Then we're in SARS. So that's why I send to coaches that have experience in that area. Mm-hmm. So my question is, I didn't tell this guy to go right away. He's telling me he's got a problem. Now go to a coach. If you right, feel right. you can do it all on your own, go ahead. This boy is dating 50 girls, and he couldn't pull it off on his own, so therefore yeah. I'm now sending to a coach where he needs guidance. I believe it wouldn't be better if this boy would get guidance in dealing with his insecurity. From who? Who? This boy, let's say, with the shidduch, not From being able who? to... From who? He's not opening up to his parents. He's not opening up to anyone. How much time do we have left? So maybe it's better to just go to the therapist to deal with the issue at the core instead of the shidduch, because it's going to come with a marriage. So, but he's not getting married. <laughs> How do you get him? Where do you start? The chicken or the egg? Before the marriage? He's, he's, he's dating. He's not getting anyone yet. He can't get right. it. He's finding chasroinus in anywhere. Right. Of course you try to help yourself, but please be aware that you aren't the smartest person out there. Why reinvent the wheel? I find that it's from people we have that a lot. We try to reinvent the wheel instead of learning from those who have experienced it. The mm-hmm. famous saying goes, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. Let's learn. The Rabbin Shalom has given us so many opportunities out to smart, Rabbanim, contact. Thank you for calling in, Hatzlocha, and we are looking forward to having you all next week. We appreciate the JRootRadio.com for having us and for everyone for calling in. Thank you, Hatzlocha, and Siyat Looking forward to having you next week.